0: I actually took steps before the November 2022 election to kind of do some group and community outreach with how elections work, what equipment we use, how do we do it. And there was a very, very low turnout. I'm going to try to do it again in November 24. I mean, I went on the radio and talked about it. I I did a TV interview. It was in the newspaper. I put it on Facebook. That's the most frustrating thing about today's times is there's so many ways to inform people, but nobody's paying attention. The full and free exercise of our sacred right and duty to vote is more important in the long run than the personal hopes or ambitions of any candidate for any office in the land. You're listening to High Turnout, Wide Margins, an insider's look at election administration hosted by Brianna Lennon and Eric Fay.
1: This is Eric Fay, along with my co-host.
2: Brianna Lennon.
1: And today we're at the Miller County, Missouri Courthouse with the county clerk, Clinton Jenkins. I think uh, we decided to do this because Clinton and I were testifying in the state capitol a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago on a hand hand counting bill. Next in opposition. And he told a story about him being the, th- the third generation of county clerks in Miller
0: County. So we thought that's that's too name? good to pass up. It's Clinton Jenkins, Miller County Clerk, and all the city people just took all my good points. So <laughs> I'm back clean cleanup. As a third generation county clerk, I am not gonna stake my family's name and reputation on using equipment or resources I do not trust. So um, for our last
2: episode of season two, We are talking to Clinton Jenkins in Miller County, Missouri, and he is a third-class county clerk, and in Missouri, our counties are divided by classification based on the assessed valuation of the county. So basically, if the county has more resources, more uh, assessed valuation when it comes to property, You can be a third-class, a second-class, first-class county. Um, Boone County, for example, is a first-class county. That means that my office is not in charge of the budget for the county because we have a county auditor. But in a third-class county, there is no county auditor. So the county clerk doesn't just run elections and payroll and liquor licenses like they do in my office. They're also the budget officer. So they're doing a lot more work on top of uh, what a first-class or second-class county would do. And Clinton talks a little bit about that, but he also talks, I think, most importantly, and why we wanted to talk to him about how he's really kind of a legacy county clerk, a third generation clerk. And we just thought that was a really important note to end on.
1: Yeah, and for me, in many ways, Clinton is kind of the prototypical local election official in the United States, in that he's from a relatively small jurisdiction. It's a rural jurisdiction. Um, he has a lot of other duties in addition to elections, which is common throughout most of the United States. But he's also atypical in that he's, like Brianna said, a third-generation clerk, which I think might have been more common in the past, but now with the you know seemingly increasing turnover in election officials, that's increasingly uncommon. Um, so kind of to wrap up our second season we wanted to bring it back to the origins of this podcast and that was you know for local election officials by local election officials about local election officials and we thought this was just a such a fun way to end um you know kind of kind of brought the whole thing full circle in my mind so seemed like a good way to to end the season So, Clinton, thank you for being here on the podcast, and why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you, I mean, I alluded to it, but how you came into this, and maybe a little bit about Miller
0: County. Yeah, so uh, about Miller County, we're fairly rural, we have a little sliver of Lake of the Ozarks that's really good for generating tax revenue, (laughs) but it's two different worlds uh, here uh, in the western part of the county is the lake you know very more progressive uh, very you know financially sound but you move over into the eastern northern and southern parts of the county it's very rural very uh very conservative uh, it's, it's where i grew up it's home uh so it's Just a great place to live. So you've got options. Like if you want to go into town, you can go into town. But you don't have to. (laughs) But uh, people here are great. I mean, you can talk to anybody. Everybody's laid back, has a good sense of humor. Uh, But how I got into office was my grandfather and my dad were both county clerks for several years. And uh, I always kind of wanted to because I grew up in the original, or not the original, but the old Miller County Courthouse. And it just always felt like something... I was going to end up doing, and here I am.
2: <laughs> Before we had started recording, uh, how the rest of your family felt about you <laughs> continuing on the c- tradition, I guess, um, was that, so has it been like a long-standing tradition, like there's always someone in your family that is going to be the clerk, or?
0: No. Uh, well, <laughs> the clerk's office has been around since, I think, what, 1948 and I did the math on it and my family's been in this office for 65% of the time that this office has existed. (laughs) But uh, public service has always been a big thing in my family. It kind of started with my grandpa. Uh, During the Great Depression, he grew up in the northern part of the county and had a farm and just they weren't making where they needed to be. So him and two of his brothers joined the Navy. And this is at the end of the depression and we're stationed at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. And we're there on December 7th, 1941. So they were all, went all the way through Pearl world war two. And then when grandpa came home shortly after, and within a few years ran for state rep and won and became state rep. And I'm not sure when we were up at the Capitol, I was actually looking for the, but the rosters, but they've moved them into the library. Um, so after that he became county commissioner for a while and uh after that went to work as the uh, chief deputy clerk in the county clerk's office the county clerk passed away around 1970 grandpa was appointed and then was county clerk for another 12 years and then um, there was a gap of four years and then dad came in for 28 years and now this is i just started my third term so this is the ninth year but um I mean, even my dad worked for the state for like 12 years before he became county clerk. So there's a lot of public service there. And I served eight years in the military before I went to college and graduated and then uh, did about three years with the state and then came here. But it's kind of funny because my dad asked me, do you want to run for county clerk? Because he always knew it was like like something in the back of my head. And I said, yeah, kind of. And then he convinced to six weeks of negotiations trying to talk me out of it (laughs) because he said this the job that he did now I mean that would have been 2014 2013 2014 when we were having that conversation that the job was so much different than when he started in 1987 so and I mean it's changed a lot I mean since I've been here and this is my ninth year so I think that's a good segue
1: into the next question I mean one reason we like to interview local election officials on this podcast is to try to get people an idea of what it's really like for most local election officials. So Clinton, I think you are pretty typical of the vast majority of election officials in the United States where uh, you not only are you, you preside, let's call it preside over a relatively rural jurisdiction relatively small jurisdiction in terms of population, but you also have a host of other duties. So could you describe for people a little bit like what what your job entails, what's a normal day or week look like for you?
0: Um, depends on the year. Uh, so <laughs> the frustrating thing about being a class three county, county clerk in Missouri is you take office January 1st. By the last day of August, or last day of January, sorry, you have a budget that's due. And our budget's 185 pages, and that's not including table of contents and all the supplemental stuff. So you've got a very short window to figure that out, and then you move into uh, the financial statement, which is thousands and thousands of lines on an Excel spreadsheet. During all that, you're trying to figure out how to put on a, a municipal election. And in the past, you're doing a presidential preference every four years and a Municipal election at the same time. Then you have railroad and utility disbursements that have to go out to the schools, that's going on at the same time. You have um, assessed valuations that you calculate that comes from the recorder or from the uh, assessor's office. You have a Desi report that takes about a week to do to break out all the information to the schools. You have tax levies in the summertime where we're the hub. All that goes through our office for every school district, village, city, fire department, library district. Everybody, we have to set our own tax levy. We have to do uh, the railroad utility to, uh, calculations to send the billing out to everybody. We have human. Re- uh, we do human resources. We have uh, payroll. We have accounts payable. We do all of our uh, health insurance. Um, sometimes we sweep the hallway during tax season because farmers come in with manure on their boots. <laughs> it's everything. Um, it, 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 that's one of the things I love about this job though, is driving down here, the 15 minute drive it takes me to get to the courthouse. Sometimes I just like try to make an internal bet with myself of what's gonna happen today, and I'm never right. <laughs>
2: What was it like growing up in a family of clerks? Because we all have kids, and most of us are not even second generation. And I wonder, like, you know, my kids don't see me a lot during election season and things like that, what they're going to think of the office and my job and me and all of that. What was it like growing up with uh, so many clerks in your family?
0: Well, to me, it's like it's natural that everybody knows you and who your dad is, I look exactly like my dad. You guys both came in, I think, after he left office, but we're the same height, same – I'm not as robust as dad is. <laughs> but, I mean, that's how I kind of – I can judge how old somebody is by, hey, I, you know, I worked for your grandpa, or I knew your grandpa, or and those people are becoming more rare because, I mean, if my grandpa – was still alive he'd be like 103 but you know everybody knows my dad for the most part and then I'm getting to the point to where everybody knows me and then my kids see that and it's like oh you know everybody dad I know a lot of people and they're getting to the age to where they can get out of the house and kind of get in trouble so it's kind of nice to know everybody because they can say hey I saw your kid doing this (laughs) or that so yeah it's it was just part of life I mean I, I don't I don't know what it's like not to be part of a family that is in local politics, so uh, maybe I could ask what's that like to be able to go to the grocery store and people don't, haven't known you your entire life.
2: (laughs) Did you get, and I kind of already know the answer to this because you talked about it once, but um, did you get recruited to help out with elections when you were growing up?
0: Yes. I, if it wasn't nepotism, I never got paid, so let's (laughs) get that out there. But if I were to get back paid, I think I've been working elections since I was in the fourth grade, helping uh, bring in ballots, the duffel, old duffel bags of ballots and helping people come in and stuff and then running election results from the courthouse down to my grandma's house and just keeping up. And it's, it's just been part of life. Uh, I mean, I miss the old days when people used to actually show up at the courthouse and kind of camp out and have that community feel to get results. But now with the internet and Facebook, it's just out there. But I mean, every once in a while for me, or uh, April, not April, August uh, primary elections, we still ha- will have a group come out. I've tried to bring that back a little bit, but it's never going to be like it was. We got the internet in Miller County finally. So that wiped that out. <laughs> I
1: couldn't believe when you told me that not only was your grandpa and dad county clerk, uh, but you lived right, right across from the courthouse. So, I mean, your dad, I mean, the work probably never left, and you told these great stories. How you on election night when you were helping out, you'd run stuff back and forth from the house. And uh, I think, I think that might be more typical than than many people think still, um, because they think of you know big cities. But like like I said
0: before, most
1: election officials are not in big cities; they're in places like this. Well, I
0: think I think a big part of what people don't understand is when you're a county clerk, and a lot of these county level offices you're not a politician by any means you're just a public servant and they don't I think a lot of people don't understand the amount of work that goes into a county clerk's office whether it be class one two or three I mean you guys have your own responsibilities it's just at a macro level instead of the more micro that I deal with and I mean I'm not definitely not the smallest county in Missouri there's smaller but uh, it just depends on where you're at but always somebody's carrying the burden.
1: Hello, I'm Eric Fay, Director of Elections in St. Louis County, Missouri,
0: and you're listening
1: to High Turnout, Wide Margins, a podcast where we explore local election administration.
2: Starting your, your third term and knowing, I mean, you were here for the 2016 election, 2020 election, and we're looking at 2024 and obviously like you've been up to the legislature, what are you most concerned about going into the election cycle next year?
0: I'm concerned that it's gonna be 2020 more amplified. There's gonna be more conspiracies. There's gonna be more everything. Uh, Just, I mean, if you've watched the news this week with what's going on with former President Trump, I think that's gonna be amplified. Uh, I actually took steps before the November 2022 election to kind of do some group and community outreach with how elections work, what equipment we use, how do we do it. And there was a very, very low turnout. I did one in this room, did one in Eldon, and I did one at late at the Lake of the Ozarks with uh, Camden County clerk. We had three people show up. So, I mean, it was pulling back the curtain, showing them who Oz is, and, but nobody was interested enough to do it. Um, I'm going to try to do it again in November 24. I mean, I went on the radio and talked about it. I, I did a TV interview. It was in the newspaper. I put it on, on Facebook. That's the most frustrating thing about today's times is there's so many ways to inform people, but nobody's paying attention. Just before
1: we did where you started this interview, your verification board was here, um, verifying everything from the from the most recent April election. So April, in Missouri, municipal elections happened in April. So you had... A bipartisan team here in your office and they were manually hand counting ballots to verify that you know what was what was
0: tabulated on election night was correct how'd that go you saw it <laughs> so we had to do 28 ballots for a manual recount because it's five percent of your precincts one precinct in miller county satisfies that we had to recount those three times I couldn't even imagine trying to do thousands of ballots that way one great point you
1: made Clinton when we were in the state capital a couple weeks ago uh, you testified in front of the Senate elections committee and you you made the point that all the ballots are counted in bipartisan teams and every you know all the election judges in Missouri they're all bipartisan and Miller County is a conservative Republican County so if you're gonna hand count all the ballots you might be able to find enough Republicans but you definitely need more judges. Where you know, where would you find more Democrats? So, I mean, that's one one facet of it that many people don't don't think about.
0: Luckily, we had the statute that changed the rules, or where we could just pull in people from other counties without having to get the other county clerk's permission. I mean, even now, I'm using judges from Camden County and Cole County just to supplement what I have on the Democrat side. I've got Republicans in a holding pattern that have requested to work four years ago and I still can't get them in. But Democrats, if you volunteer, if I call you and you say you will work, I will call you for every election until your phone turns off.
2: There's things that are happening at the national level. We've been sort of hearing about them. Um, and there's a magnifying glass now in everything that we're doing. Have you had any sort of, I mean, you only had three people come to like the information sessions. What I'm seeing like when I try to do that, same thing happens, very few people show up and then I find out like way later that there are these other little groups of people that are having conversations and they're online or they're on Facebook or wherever they are and they never come and actually directly ask anything. Are you finding that to be the case here too?
0: Yeah, I get the calls and I've actually had conspiracy theorists come down here walked them through the entire process, showed them the equipment, showed them our data, our voter database. Didn't let them touch anything, obviously, but showed them. And I think I've had two, at least two of those people come down. And when they leave, there's no more question. It's yes, this is secure. Holy cow. I can't believe you guys have to do this for every election. Yeah, we do. There's no difference. So yeah, it's, it's very frustrating. And I mean, I'm, I've told people openly, if you want to see how it runs, come down here. we'll show you. We have nothing to hide it, when you're in a small community like this uh, there's nothing there's no way to hide anything. You shop in the same grocery stores with everybody. You, kids go to the same schools. Why would I lie and try to hide stuff? I mean, I want to live here my whole life why Why would I tarnish anything?
2: Are you finding um interest or support or anything from your other elected colleagues that are here because I mean it's it's the same in Boone County we're all in the same building but I don't always get the sense that they have a full understanding of what it is that we're dealing with right now and I look at places like Shasta County and these other places where their commission is then getting overly involved in the elections process when they hadn't been before is that a concern
0: no, everybody's pretty much hands-off. <laughs> Nobody wants to get involved. Or, <laughs> it's just too much. We've talked a lot about the lead-up to
1: 2024, but just in general, what, what's your biggest concern? And it doesn't even have to be election-related. What, what's the biggest concern you have in this job?
0: What's the biggest challenge you have in this job that you would like people to know about? Work and private balances trying to do this and still find time for your kids. I mean my son was six months old when I filed to run and he's nine now. There's stuff I missed. It's not fun. Uh, it, it, there's family stuff that you miss. There's just part of your life just kind of goes on hold when you do this job because there's not missing elections. There's not missing deadlines. You just do it. Now that's, that's hard but I mean, I guess as far as, like, if I was to categorize anything in election time, I mean, it's, yeah, I know our equipment's solid. Uh, everybody in Missouri uses the right stuff. I'm not sure if there's – I haven't <laughs> researched it enough to know what's wrong and what's right outside of Missouri. But – and I, that's the only I, – I, I always preface anything I always say about elections is I only know about Missouri. I don't know how other states do anything. But from what I understand, we're pretty, you know, tip of the spear on – common sense election laws but you know you could always have a catastrophic breakdown with your equipment you could always have you know judges that can't make it you could always have a natural disaster I mean I, I stopped sleeping about three days before an election just trying to figure out what's going to go wrong and again you never get it right there's always something a curveball that you don't see
2: I really want to ask more about being like third generation and So there's a shortage of clerks everywhere. I mean, that's the thing. And that's the thing that I find, like, most remarkable about your situation is there's places that are literally, like, vacant positions and not necessarily in Missouri, but you can't find anybody to run. And I think it's pretty rare to have somebody that's just like, yep, I come in and I have basically this whole wealth of experience and people that I can talk to about it and everything and you still wanted to do it after you saw what it was. So so what is it that pushed you into it?
0: <clears throat> Stubborn? <laughs> I don't know. Um, it just – I never really wanted to be, like, in the public for anything because I'm a pretty fairly shy person. I, I don't do well in groups. Like, if you see me at a conference every year, like, I'm usually, like, off away because I don't – Like this, three people is fine. You throw in a fourth person, don't know how to handle it. (laughs) So like one-on-one, I'm fine. Public speaking, I've learned how to do, but it was just a part of life growing up. I I don't know anything else.
1: Got any really great stories that you can share publicly about growing up uh, in this business like your dad or grandpa have any great stories from being kind of
0: two ones kind of sentimental. There's two uh, ladies that are on the senior citizens board and they worked in the courthouse when I was growing up. And one day they were talking about how it was so fun seeing me be in the courthouse now. And they got like, there was tears shed between the two and I felt bad, but it was kind of touching at the same time because they would lay, leave out a hard candy bowl. And at the time I would just run in and i was short then as a child that changed later <laughs> but uh, they would say they would just see my hand come over the counter and grab a piece of hard counting and just run off so they were just and then there's other people that have had those but uh there was one time when i was a kid and i've told this story publicly i, I thought i burnt down the courthouse um my grandma and grandpa lived across the road. And then my dad and my family moved in later after they, they moved. But my grandma did everything in her power to spoil every one of her grandsons and had gotten me some fairly large bottle rockets. So the eighties in Miller County, I'm surprised a lot of us survived. <laughs> there was just everything. I mean, four wheelers, three wheelers, guns, fireworks, everything. But, uh, so, you know, I'm like eight years old, standing outside with these bottle rockets and a cigarette lighter. And there was a like half circle window at the top of the courthouse, and one of the little panes was broken out. So, for like a year, I was trying to lob bottle rockets into that little crack. Again, I was eight, <laughs> maybe nine. So, and one day the stars aligned, and one went in there, and it popped. And the entire top of the courthouse lit up white. I ran inside and went to bed because I thought I just burned down the courthouse. (laughs) So I came, I looked, like woke up the next morning and like peeked through the blinds and it was still there. And I was like, oh, thank God. But yes, that that was a good one.
1: It's probably a good one to end on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I promise I will not burn down the current Miller County courthouse either. So we're safe. sure to (laughs) include that in the recording
1: so all Miller Countyans can hear it.
2: You know, this is the last episode of season two. It also, I think, marks our 86th episode, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we're we're working on developing a season three. I think we're still excited to keep talking to people and have conversations about what we expect to have happened in 2024 and what everybody's doing, but. We've also talked some about, like, how Eric said in the beginning, getting back to the roots of the podcast of a forest bias and focusing more on what's happening in local election offices, the challenges that local election authorities are facing, but also just kind of best practices and things that maybe we can just adopt from each other. As we're looking at 2024, we're all going to have to be more efficient. We're all going to have to find ways to better demonstrate to the public everything that we're doing. And there's still, I think, a lot of counties that don't quite know where to turn or have the resources to be able to create public information campaigns or, you know, they're just starting out and trying, as Clinton mentioned in his interview in this episode. He tried to go out and do public information sessions, which is great and it's probably the first time that something like that had been tried in Miller County, and only a couple of people showed up to that. And we're all kind of facing that, but we're all still planning to do more of it in 2024. So hopefully conversations like that with other local election officials will be fruitful. And you know, if anybody has any suggestions of who they want us to talk to, we are more than happy to talk to anybody.
1: Yeah. Well, that I have anything to add, really. <laughs> That's perfect.
2: You've been listening to High Turnout, Wide Margins, a podcast that explores local election administration. I'm your host, Brianna Lennon, alongside Eric Fay. Thanks to KBIA for making this podcast possible. Our managing editor is Rebecca Smith. Our managing producer is Aaron Hay, and our associate producers are Abigail Ruman and Katie Quinn. This has been High Turnout, Wide Margins. Thanks for listening.